I had this dream, and it's not Martin Luther King type. <clears throat> this dream that I had was I was probably a senior in college. And you know, you've taken hours and hours and hours and hours of classes, but I had this dream as I was getting close to the graduation that somewhere along those four years, I took a class scheduled for it, registered for it, paid for it, but I forgot to go. This was my dream. And I forgot to go to it. And the further I got toward graduation, the more this dream would happen to me at night. I'd wake up with like a panic thinking that, man, I missed that one class that's going to keep me from graduating. And boy, I, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. That was just a part of that last year for me. And are we going to get out? Am I going to make it out? And so I'd have that dream. <clears throat> Do you remember ever having the dread or the terror of going into that test and you didn't get to study well? And you didn't prepare like you should? And the dread of going in for that thing is tough. Now, if that's, those are panic-causing things. But when we get to the reality of our life and we begin to consider... Uh, the shortness of our life, and I will tell you, you younger folks, life does get quicker the older you get, and it seems like you're speeding to that end zone very rapidly, um, but this thing called life is very fragile, and it may be just because I, I see so much and deal with so many things, but it just seems the, the, how precious and fragile life is. In many ways, I was last week went to visit during a funeral visitation in an Aurora, a gentleman from my previous church in Mount Vernon Covenant, and another lady from our church was visiting that, and she stepped in front of a car, and it took her life. She was a nurse over at Mercy, and just that, just like this, and just that reality and how quickly that hits is caught my attention again. And there's not one person in here today, honestly, there's not one person living in a house around our, this church building today, there's not a person that works with you that wants to find themselves at the end of their life and standing for God and being unprepared. No one wants to be there unprepared. And that panic that caught me when it comes to teaching hits me even greater when it comes to the realization that the scripture says that we, every one of us, will stand before God one day at the end of when this, when this heart stops. No one wants to not be prepared to meet God. So the question I'm going to try to answer today, along with the three uh, truths or lie statements, is this. Is it by goodness or grace that we have been made right with God? Is it by goodness or by grace that we are made right with God? And we're in Galatians. And if you get your Bibles, turn to chapter 3, please. And we're going to read, as we go through the study together, I'm going to read the first five verses here. Paul is writing to the Galatian church. Something has happened and we're going to begin to see it coming out again today. It says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. How foolish and thoughtless and superficial you are. Who has bewitched you? Which means that would make you act like this. To whom right before your very eyes Jesus Christ 
was publicly portrayed as crucified as Paul would teach in the gospel message. This is all I want to ask of you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the law or the requirements of the law? Or was it the result of hearing, which was the message of salvation that Paul taught? Hearing and faith by simply believing it. Are you so foolish, he's saying. He's using pretty tough words here. Are you so foolish and senseless having begun your new life by faith and you began that by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? Which means that is by your own works uh, and efforts to keep the law before God. Verse 4, have you suffered so many things and experienced so much all for nothing? If indeed it was all for nothing. Verse 5, so then, does he who supplies you with his Holy Spirit and works miracles among you do, do it as a result of works of the law which you perform? Or because you believe confidently in what you've heard by faith? All right. Who was this group of people that Paul was dealing with? He was talking to this early church in Galatia. They were um, uh, some pantheistic. They were all very strong in idol worship and rituals that related to the idols of the time. And he was speaking to these folks that had heard the message that this, there's a good news from God. And it's not about you doing certain things or being good enough to appease a God or sacrificing enough to get Him to like you. He was telling them of a a God that has paid a way, paved a way for mankind to be right with Him by His expense and not necessarily by ours. Paul called these group of people that were coming up against his message. Judaizers, he would call them, he gave them that title. There have always been people who balk at the concept that God will forgive us, period, by grace. A grace-given gift. A lot of people still struggle with this and wrestle with this. And they are pretty well bound up in the concept of having to live the perfect life following that. But the Judaizers were Jewish people. They had come out of the the Jewish tradition, following the law of God. And they would come behind Paul when Paul would go into a new community and he would preach about this message of Jesus who went to the cross, who was the Son of God, went to the cross, took upon our our sin, and there spilt His blood as a payment for that sin so that all could be saved. Paul taught that message and it was a simple message. But then behind him came these Judaizers and they would basically say this. Now that you've accepted Jesus, now to follow him and to maintain a right relationship with him, you must also obey the law of God. You must also, men, be circumcised. You must follow the traditions that have come down through the Jewish uh, concept. You to be truly right with God, they say you've got to also fulfill the Mosaic law. All of the law that's written in the Old Testament. And especially they pushed the circumcision as the picture of those that would follow Him. What is the law? 
Is it bad? Is this law bad? Galatians 3.10 says this, It is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law to do them. Cursed is everyone who attempts to fulfill the law of God uh, to do them. James even wrote, um, Chris, could you bring this down just a little bit? It feels like it's ringing. James wrote, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point of the law has become accountable to all of the law. So in other words, if you're doing all the law of God very well, but in one area you fail, James says basically you're failing all of the law of God. So what is this thing? He used the term foolish Galatians. Pretty strong. He's basically saying you guys can think, but you're failing to use the powers of perception here. See, Paul had taught the Galatians the gospel message of Jesus, and they grabbed it. By faith they accepted it. And then he uses the term, who bewitched you? Saying, who put you Galatians under a spell? Some type of confusion. Who put you into this confusion? And he said, keep your eyes steadfastly upon Jesus, who is the beginner, writer, author of our faith and the completer of our faith. Paul goes on in that little passage to begin to explain what spiritual immaturity looks like. You may want to do a checklist here. What spiritual immaturity looks like. He, he said it like this. When we accommodate wrong ideas. When we accommodate our own belief. Or we bring our own belief to what the scripture teaches us. When we entertain unbiblical ideas. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And the third one he brings out here is when we don't base our reason upon God's word, it's spiritual immaturity. Basically, what he's saying is you have to have a biblical worldview. Everything that we look at across the world and what's happening, uh, the reason it looks more and more crazy is probably because you have a biblical worldview. You understand how God created it, his plan for it, and you see it getting out of order. Okay, these are some questions that Paul asked these Galatians. And he has them in verses 2, 3, and 5. Look at them. He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? His answer was, you received this message by hearing and believing. He asked him another question. He said, after being beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh. And what that means is flesh is an effort to try to please God by living up to the standards of the law. And so the answer there is no. The third question he asked, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And the answer is by believing. And that's hard for us to understand. It's hard for me to grasp, honestly. That God knew from the beginning of creation, from the beginning of the development and creation of mankind, and that first sin, God knew that we were unable to keep the standard, the holy standard of God. He knew that. And He knew that we would never be able to do that, so He prepared a way so that we can, simply by faith, in grace, the grace of God, 
Grace means we get something, a gift, none of us deserve. And we get that by believing in the message of Jesus. He went to the cross, died on the cross, had your sin on Him, had my sin on Him, and He died and He paid my sin debt. The wages of sin is He paid it. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's grace. That's grace. So question number one I gave you earlier uh, when we began is this. Abraham was credited as righteous just because he believed God. True or false? How many think it's true? How many think it's false? A lot of uncommitted people to that question. Verse 6 says this. The answer is yes. Here's what it says. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The answer is true. Okay. The second answer to the question, is it by goodness or by grace, is this. Salvation has been about faith from the beginning. What I'm saying to you is this. We have a concept of an Old Testament teaching of God, of the standards of God, which they are still the standards of God. They're not wrong. The law of God is not wrong. It's right. It's the, it's the design for a culture that would live godly and be godly, and it would work fine if we weren't broken, if we weren't sinners by nature. But because we are, we fail that law of God. And this, this thing of salvation is not a, just a New Testament concept. It goes all the way back to Abraham in the Old Testament. And here's where we're going to show you that. Look at verses 6 through 9. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify, that means would declare as righteous before God, the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations, remember I, we did this a week or two ago, that nation's word is ethnos, all ethnics, all ethnic groups around the world will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The new presentation of the good news of Jesus was not just for the Israelites. It was for Gentiles from the beginning. Although it may have been hidden in that season. But going back to Abraham, this entire process was that it would be fulfilled. Old Testament would be fulfilled through the seed that would flow through Abraham. The seed came all the way through the Old Testament story. I think I've said this before, but play with this idea. Go back through the Old Testament story and see how God protected the genetic line of Abraham. Follow it all the way back. Even go into the New Testament when it talks about the birth of Jesus. Look at, look at the story of the genetic line that talks about in, in Matthew and Luke. It tells the, the lineage. And you know why? He's saying all the way down, all across these years, it comes to this genetic line, comes to this one man by the name of Jesus. And out of Jesus, he fulfilled all of the law and fulfilled it for us because he was the only one ever lived on this planet that never sinned. This man, God, creation. If 
by the name of Jesus. It's all fulfilled by Jesus. It's all way back. It's by His life. It's by His teaching. It's by His taking our sin. It's by His dying. And it's by His resurrection power. Okay, second truth or lie statement. Ready? God didn't create the new covenant through Jesus because the old covenant was bad. He created it to fulfill His promise to Abraham. How many of you think that's true? How many of you think that's a lie? Okay. Those that voted? It is true. Verses 7 through 9. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Good news. That's good news. Remember that our question is, is it by goodness or is it by grace? Third thing. This is God's plan made very plain starting in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Says what it says? If we are trying to gain approval before God by perfecting our life to live uh, perfectly to the law. It's hard here. Did you hear what it says? You live under a curse. That's, there is nothing worse than the curse. When you read in Scripture, that is, that is the being absent of God. That is being separated from God is the curse. And verse 10 says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything Written in the book of the law. And the curse, you'd say, what is it? Well, primarily, it's the absence of the blessing of God. But if you'd go back to Deuteronomy, and you ought to mark this somewhere. Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 28. There is a listing there of the curses God says will be upon His people if they did not fulfill the law of God. To make them a little bit modern, it would mean like this. Some of the, this is the evidence of, not, of living outside of the blessing of God. The ability to provide for your family will be cursed. Your children will live under a curse. Your business will be cursed. You'll not be able to get away from this. You will find confusion and rebuke on everything that you try to do. You will ex be exposed to disease and plague that leads to death. You will experience nothing but drought. You will live in defeat and oppression. And I could go on for quite a long time as it lists the law, the curses 
in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But toward the end of it, it grabbed my attention. Here's what it said. Pay attention. If, you, if you're wanting to live in God's blessing and in the victory of Christ, listen to what he said. The Lord will send you back to Egypt. And what is Egypt for humanity today? Bondage. Sin. The, that life that kept us wrapped up in, in the sin of our life and the destruction of our life. On a journey, I said, you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. He's basically saying, if you reject, if you're unable to fulfill the law of God completely, you're going to go back under the curse. That's an awful thing. That's awful. There is a passage in verses 13 and 14 that really makes makes this set up. Listen, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because of what Jesus did for us, we are redeemed from these curses that were talked about in Deuteronomy. By becoming the curse for us. He took all of that curse upon himself upon the cross. He became that curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. By faith, that means we receive the promise of the Spirit. You know what the curse is? Living without ever receiving the Spirit of God within us. There's two roads. There's a self-effort road that is miserable and will wear you out to try to fulfill it. And then there's the road of grace. And it says it's a narrow road or narrow gate and a narrow road. You know why? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the gate. And the road behind that he gives us is a narrow road Because no longer do we live under the outside pressure of the law. It says, I'm going to write my law upon your heart. And now, because it's on our heart, our desire is not out of fear. It's out of love that he wrote wrote his law upon our heart. We we don't want to mess up before dad. My dad, uh, my earthly dad, was awesome. And I can only remember one time when I disappointed him. He didn't ever have to spank me because my thought of, if I even thought he was disappointed, just tear my heart out. But I had a friend home from school one day, a snowy winter, and I was going to, I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, so we, if you live on the farm, you get to drive out in the, out in the fields, throwing hay out or whatever, so I took my friend out there, and I went out there, and I, my car got loose somewhere, and it started spinning around different places. And when I got back, my dad just standing there looking at me. Just tore my heart out. I know I'd been caught. See, when you, when you get, when you ask Jesus, say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. You took all of that weight that I can't carry. You took all of my brokenness. You took all of my curse. You paid for that by your own life. And now it's a father. It's the story of a father. See, a lot of us have a concept that God, if we mess up, he's, we're a little bit of a 
cockroach and he's just waiting for you to not do something right so he can squash you. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the message of Jesus. It's the father that has the son gone and he's grieving that he's away. And so when he turns, when we turn from our sin like the prodigal and we begin to say it's got to be better back home and he starts running home, the father runs toward us. And we know he's good. And we look forward to it when he's, when he's around. Why? Because he brings blessing. He speaks words of life to us. He covers us and pays for all the mess of our life. We serve a good, good father. And I'm so glad of that. Third truer life statement. You're saved by grace through faith, but you receive the Spirit by correctly fulfilling the law of God. How many of you think that's true? How many of you think that's a lie? You got it. I have a verse that I'm going to close with. It means a lot to me. Paul wrote it as well in Romans chapter 7 verse 6. Now we are released from the law. Having died to that which held us captive. To die to the law and are no longer under the law. We are no longer its slaves. So that we may serve. Oh yes, there we do serve. In the new way of the spirit. Not the old way of the letter. The letter kills but the spirit gives life. You are saved by grace through faith. And when you truly have received Jesus. When you ask him to forgive us. He says, I'm going to bring you a gift. He says, I'm going to clean you out. I'll, take, I'll wash your sins, cleanse you of your sins, and then I'll come and live within you. Then we become a temple, a possessor of the Spirit of God. That's when he writes on our heart that we don't want to displease Father. Not because of fear, but because of love. Because Paul says, you know, they were saying, well, this says you can go ahead and sin. That means just go sin all you want because grace, man, grace can grow because we can go do whatever we want. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that death may, may, grace may increase? By no means. He said, you've died to sin. Don't live in it any longer. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too can walk in newness of life. We're going to do baptism in just a moment. Those who are preparing, go ahead and get ready. And we're going to meet you out there in just a moment. If you, in your religious pursuit, in your pursuit of knowing God, if you've known Him only in a legal way or trying to be good enough way, can I tell you something? Listen carefully. It doesn't work. It will never work if we're trying to earn it or get approved of God by our own self-effort. It will not work. There is an offer to you today. It's the message of the gospel. It's simple. Jesus went to a cross to pay for your sin. And he also completed the curse of breaking the law. The, what he paid for was death. He paid death, my death. He paid for your death on the cross. And all, how do you receive this? 
It's so easy. So many people miss it. You know what it is? Believe that he did that for you. Faith. And then receive. Just say, Lord, I need this in my life. If you don't know if you have that today, we're going to give you just a moment to deal with that. I'd like for you to ask God this question. God, what did you say specifically to me today? Ask him. God, what did you specifically speak to my life today? Then the second question I have is, what are you going to do about what he said? Let's stand. I'll have some people here in the altars that are ready to pray with you. If you'd like to have somebody pray with you, if you're facing other issues, you want prayer, please come and we'll spend the next few moments praying together.